0: There's, there, look, there's plenty of nutcases out there. there. There's even some people I've heard that have said that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. Now, I get I get the the idea behind it. We can certainly see how easy it would be for people to, in mass, flock to something just because they're told to do it, right? Whether it be putting the masks on, social distancing, and all these other things and to some extent, which are, are good things too, the, the, the extent to which the world took it, you can easily see how the world is prime for the Antichrist to come in and just be led astray. Um, and we can't really do much about that. Scripture prophesies of it. Um, but what we can do is, to the best of our ability, control our lives and control the decisions we make, um, I think you're gathered here this evening not to, for me to preach against the world, but for you to hopefully get something beneficial uh, from Scripture. So I, I pray that that we'll be able to do that this evening. Uh, I want to look in James here about being blessed indeed. Two two separate words, not indeed as in one word, but as in in action in your works, right? Being blessed in this life, and what does that actually look like from a biblical perspective. James chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 12 and just read a few verses, and then we're going to open up in a word of prayer. James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Uh, Brother Rob, would you mind opening us up? So we read verse 12 there. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Now, just, just to get out of the gate real fast, get this over with, we know doctrinally, when you look back at verse 1, it says to the uh, 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So we know doctrinally this is going to be a tribulation passage. Um, but there's a lot of things in here that we can take practically and spiritually and apply to our lives. Um, and so I, I hope it's going to be a blessing. Um But right right out of the gate we see, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Now, Scripture in another passage shows us that uh, all the things that are in the world, as far as temptation goes, it says there's three things. It says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, Now, just to quickly summarize those things, I mean, I'm sure most of us have heard it preached several times, but the the lust of the flesh are going to be... uh, I'm just going to be blunt with you, okay? It's just the bare bones, basic instinct. All your body is consumed with, right? Your flesh. So all your body cares about is eating, sleeping, pooping, and procreating, right? So so anything that can that can you know that nice juicy cheeseburger at Arby's or or I guess they're not. Do they even sell cheeseburgers? The shredded <laughs> meat, Wendy's, whatever. You know. Pick your poison, I guess. Um, but th- that's what the flesh enjoys. But then when it comes to the, the lust of the eyes, that's going to be more so what those billboards on the highway are focusing at, right, that are targeted at. Uh, even though there may be things in the billboards that target the flesh as well, um, if you think with me, maybe about uh, like, a, like a Lamborghini, right? Um, I suppose that an advertisement for like a Lamborghini on a billboard uh, could, could be targeted towards your flesh, if your flesh is one that, that sees that and just thinks of the, the feeling you would get in the acceleration of, of riding in that car, right? Um, but, but if you see that advertisement and you just kind of think, man, it'd be nice, just, just the possession of that item is something you think you would enjoy, that's coming down to the, the lust of the, the eyes. Um, and then the, the third thing there we have is the pride of life. When it comes to the pride of life, uh, this is typically, it's something everybody deals with, all three of these things, but, but these things tend to be kind of graduated as you get older. Um, as, as you get older, you tend to move away a little more from things like the lust of the flesh, right? a um, matter of fact, you actually kind of need to if you're going to live past a certain age. You've got to take care of yourself, Right? You, you got to start doing things ahead of time. You got to work. Start working out. You got to take. You can't be shoving cheeseburgers in your mouth anymore. Um, but but then that pride of life tends to start rising up, and you and you tend to care more about things like, you know, how much money is in your bank account. Whereas when you're a kid, you just kind of worry about how fast you can spend the money, and not how much is in your account, right? So so things kind of tend to change as you get older. But regardless of your age, you're going to be dealing with these three things and. And uh, now, now we can sit back and we can complain all day long if, if, if you want to about all the temptations in the world, right? Driving down the, the highway, you know, something I've noticed uh, recently is there are billboard signs everywhere for marijuana. And I don't know if I've even seen, like, the same billboard for, like, the same dispensary. It seems like almost, there's so many dispensaries popping up and billboards popping up, and, and they make it, they, try, they advertise it I don't know how you really make marijuana attractive, you know what I mean? But they try to, the, the only one I really I saw that was like, ooh, was it's at home, del- now, now delivering to your home, home delivery. You know, so now I can even be even more lazy and I don't even have to go out for my weed, right? I can just sit at home and order it from the couch. The, the, this, this world is, it is driven by the flesh. It is driven by lust. It is driven by temptation. And, and we can sit back and complain about all these things and, and say it isn't, as, as a Christian, trying to do right, right? It, it, is, it, it doesn't seem fair that, that the temptations would, you know, would exist at this, at this scale and God not just take us out. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have done this before. Any, anybody ever have the conversation of, like, if you could grow up in any time period of your choosing, right? Like, what time period would you have picked? You know, I, me and my friend John, we always thought, man, it'd be cool to have, you know, been born in the, the, the old western, right? You're slinging six shooters and stuff, and, you know, now realistically, life would have been brutal, and we probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. But, but I'm sure all of us have had that, that perspective, because we know there's something about this day and age we live in that is just brutal. We are inundated with sin constantly. And one of the things that I think we can quickly begin to do is start almost taking that frustration out on God. Maybe not out on Him, but, but towards Him. Start venting that frustration. God, like, God, why, you know, why God? Why, why, why do you allow me to be in these situations? You, you try to word it carefully because you don't want to blame Him directly, right? But you're still, you're still blaming Him. You're still putting the fault at the feet of Jesus. Well, verse 13 here says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Quit blaming God. Now, now the focus of this, this message this evening is going to be being blessed indeed in our actions. And so I, I want to, as we go through these verses, focus on that. Um, but one of the things we need to do is quit, quit, quit blaming God for any of the issues and problems that are around us um, and, and realize that, that the evil going on in this world and the stuff that we struggle with and the things that we deal with, it's, it's not God's fault. Quite the, the contrary, he's going to be the one that solves it. And, and if in this lifetime of mine Jesus Christ comes back then I regret ever saying that I wish I was born in the days of um, you know, the, the Wild West. Because if, if in my lifetime Jesus Christ comes back, I can't think of a better day and age to live in than to, than to be here when that happens. So quit, quit blaming God. Verse 14, God expounds on this even more and says, don't be blaming God. And then he says in verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, uh, Pastor Peacock has preached on this before, and, and, and he gave a good example. He was a policeman, and I've never been, been a policeman, so I figured I'd, I'd give this example. Um, but he said that, that when it comes to hookers on the street, I'm being blunt. Tonight, this evening. You know, did, I, did I mention that already? I'm just going to be straight with you. So he said, when it comes to, to women of the night, hookers, prostitutes, he said that, that it's never this direct forward action. He said that there, there's always this courting that occurs first. He said, that, see, that, see, it's something subtle. Temptation starts as something subtle. He, he said, there's this courting that happens. There's a smile, there's a wave. There's a, a, they, a, you, they approach you with a question, similar to kind of how the devil did it in the garden, huh? And, and from, from that, that courting that occurs, as soon as you, you give into that, as verse 14 mentions, every man when, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. There's something that happens then afterwards when that occurs, it says, and enticed so you you go from from just this this cordial relationship, just a stranger just friendly on the street to to now there's this courting that's occurring, and then after that there there's a consent that happens you're you're enticed by that lust it's it's got you right and then and then forward from that consent comes conception and if we look in in verse fifteen it says then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So, so if, if that helps you, uh, keep in mind the, the, the way temptation works. Uh, the, the three Cs are the courting, the consent, and then the conception. There is, there is a process to temptation that occurs. And any, at any point along the way, you can stop it, but depending on where you're at in, in, in that cycle, there's, there's going to be different consequences that, that occur. Um, so we ourselves are, are, quite frankly, the only people to blame when it comes to lusting after things. And this isn't just uh, sensual lust, right? We, we, I mentioned it in the beginning. It's the lust of the, eye, the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This entails... Anything that's (laughs) anti Christ, but we need to endure temptation as Christians. And I think perhaps we are—I think perhaps we're not even aware of how much we're tempted. Um, I think we're—if we were honest, we would probably say, "Yeah, we—you know, there's a lot of stuff. You know, I got down and I said my prayers at night. I asked the Lord to forgive me for things, but there was probably a bunch of stuff I did wrong that I didn't even think about." didn't even cross my mind. Now, I'd like to challenge you. um, Now, remember, temptation's subtle, okay? I'd like to challenge you. um, As you're going about your day, look, think of it this way. Are our lives not on record at the judgment seat of Christ? Are they not? So, if our lives indeed are on record at that point in time, why wouldn't we take a little bit of time and effort to try to... Record our lives in such a way today to, to, to examine what's going on in our life and how we're dealing with things? When, I mean, when it's going to be put on display at the judgment seat of Christ, wouldn't, wouldn't we want to take some time today to, to, to try to square things up, to try to see where we're at spiritually and not just wait until the judgment seat of Christ to, to then stand there and just watch the, our, our works get burnt uh, into ash, all of the wood, hay, and stubble that's left because we did nothing for Christ. So, how, how, how then can we say that we care about how much we're being tempted in our lives if, if you, we don't even know how often we're being tempted? If you're not even putting effort in to figure that out, can you honestly say that you even really care about it? I mean, when you care about something, you put effort into it, Right? So if a record of our life will be judged in heaven, I challenge you, take record now. Keep short accounts with God. And I mean like literally, try it. I think it would be kind of a cool experiment. Take a note, notebook or, or a, uh, just your smartphone, because nobody can put those down anyway, so while it's in your hand, do it. And, and, and as you go throughout a day, a slow day, a Sunday maybe, probably your best day spiritually, right? So record that day. But, but go through it. Write it down. I, I challenge you to, to take record of, of every deed, every action, whether it be good or bad, and, and, and try to weigh that out at the end of the day. S- to Try to see actually how much of your day was, was full of being Christ-like versus being full of wickedness and evil. It would be an interesting experiment. Now, I didn't do that for today, but I did kind of, you know, just thinking of back on on today, I could, I could go over some of these things, and I'm just going to lay them out there to you, all right? Everything that kind of crossed my, my path to today and crossed my mind, and, and uh, you know, maybe I'll be, maybe this will be too open and honest. I mean, I'm not going to be too open and honest, because um, realistically, it'd be, that'd be embarrassing, um, but I woke up today an hour later than I had intended to, um, and that started me off in a bad mood. And today I'm supposed to be preaching. Like I can't have that. I got I got to get things right. So because I I woke up later than I wanted to, that put me in a bad mood, which means I had to spend even more time in prayer than I normally would have to just try to get my spirit right. And and. And then it was. It was shortly after that I had to leave immediately uh, to an appointment uh, that Leeksy had at the eye doctor for the, the LASIK surgery. Um, and just on the way there, I had counted three separate times where I got ticked off. <coughs> excuse me, where I got ticked off at people um, because, of course, they're driving like idiots and you know they don't know what they're doing, and and I'm I'm driving great. Three different times, right? I was being quick. I was being quick to get angry, right? Quick, quick to 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 be uh, you know, wrathful. Uh, we're actually going to look at that in a little bit. Um, but we finally get there, and as I'm sitting there in the lobby, you know, this lady comes in we're wearing these really short shorts, and so it's okay. I just I just shift this way, and I'm staring at my love lovely little Lidney and uh, my darling Lexy next to me, and just focus my attention. It's an easy fix, right? Just focus my attention this way. Um, and as I focus my attention this way, uh, uh, um, away from that woman, there's a man that walks in and sits right in front of me, and I'm not kidding, he had to have been hotboxing the car or something because the, the smell of the weed was so strong, so strong, and immediately... Immediately, my mind goes. You remember that smell? Mmm. It's subtle. Temptation's real subtle. You know, there there was that that woman walked in, and I thought I'm doing good. I turned away, didn't even bat an eye. And then, of course, this guy has got to come down and, and just sit down right in front of me. just Is your life inundated with temptation? Because mine is. You know, the, the doctor calls us back to the, to the office, and we get in there, and just, just being honest, I've been kind of upset with this guy for eight straight months. We've been going to these appointments for eight months now because Leeksy's eyes are not, one of them is off from the other after the LASIK surgery. And we've been telling him, look, it's off. It's off. And he's like, it's close enough. That's literally what he was saying. I'm like, what? <laughs> They're not your eyes. like, you know, it's ridiculous. And, I, and so I'm already frustrated with this guy before I even go in there, but I'm trying to, I, look, I had been studying this chapter, so I'm trying to, all right, calm myself. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Um, be Christ-like. And I walk in there, and, and ultimately, the, you know, by the end of it, the guy said, you know, I, I wouldn't really recommend Doing the the touch up surgery, Um, but if you think you need it, then all right, let's go ahead and do it. I'm like, I just spent eight months trying to convince you (laughs) to do this surgery, and now you're like, well, all right, let's do it. I'm like, what? Like, it's little things like that that just get my blood boiling. You understand? And you think, oh, no, it's nothing. It it was eight months of nothing, (laughs) all right? So so to, to us, it was a big deal, and she's frustrated. She's the one with the messed up eyes you know, you look nice though, so, um, so it's just this, this constant, this, this constant feed of temptation and, and trials and, you know, and I get back home from, from the, uh, from the appointment and, and I'm just agitated, you know what I mean, um, and even though I look agitated right now, I'm not so sorry, right. but I was agitated and and I, I sit down to to put my notes together here and and start going over it again and and uh thoughts start crossing my mind like you know i I don't know if if I can even really be a blessing to these people like i I don't know if I mean, wouldn't it be better for, for the church to just stay home and live stream Pastor Peacock? I mean, he's been doing this so many more years than I have. And, and, and being honest, I genuinely think if you guys were to stay home and just listen to Pastor Peacock, you'd probably get more out of it. So it's, it's not like the, the doubts and the confusion in my mind are unwarranted, necessarily. They're exaggerated because they're put there by the devil, but, but there's some validity to it, and, and it's, now it's starting to muddy my mind and get me not focused on the message. And I'm talking about temptation. Do you guys understand? I'd like to point out that temptations that occur can exist beyond something purely carnal listening to Pastor Peacock would be a great thing, right? So that's a, that would be a good thing. But forsaking the assembling of yourselves together in order to listen to Pastor Peacock would not be a good thing. So, I mean, it's a good thing, but not at the right time. So not only will you be tempted with things of the flesh and you know, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, but the devil can even throw good things your way. That when they're out of the timing of when the Lord wants it to happen, it's out of the will of God. And this life can be stressful with, with the amount of temptations that there is. Now, we know that the problem isn't God, as we looked at. We know we are drawn away, according to this passage, by our own lusts uh, and enticed. And I think it's pretty safe to say that we tend to view temptation in a pretty negative light. Um, would that be correct? You, you tend to view it in a pretty negative way. It um, was a leading question, my apologies, uh, because scripture actually has something different to say about it um, to be to be blessed indeed or, or in our actions in this life, we need to endure temptation, but I, I wonder if the negative view we have of temptation, I, I, I wonder if that's the proper perspective to have. I think something that will really help us to endure temptation is to have the proper persp- perspective. Look at verses two through three. It says "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience." Verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You guys want to be stronger Christians? Every day when I get up, I maybe not immediately in the morning but at at some point in that day there's thoughts that cross my mind about how good of a Christian I am, weighing that scale, right? What have I done for the Lord today? Am I as right with the Lord as I think I am? Are there things that, that I'm not asking for forgiveness for that, that are weighing on me that I need to get right? Are there? I think it's safe to say everybody here wants to be a better Christian. Um, so let's change our perspective. Now, the reason I, I had said it was a, a leading question about when, when I asked whether uh, temptation was negative was because I said a bunch of seemingly negative things and led you all the way up to to a point to feel sorry for me, right? I was dealing with all this stuff today and all these temptations. Your, your natural reaction as a human is to view that in a negative light. But then when you come to Scripture, it says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And verse 4 shows us that it's not something that we can just just do halfway but let patience have her perfect work. Don't, don't give up, Christian, halfway through the job. I mean, how many years have you guys been Christians for? You've been saved since you were a child? Uh, imagine the shame of giving up now. You just got saved? Ima- imagine having that, that, that passion and, and love for Jesus Christ that you have when you first get saved. That, ex- that zeal, you know what I'm talking about? just to then forsake Jesus Christ. Don't give up halfway. If we want to live a life that is blessed indeed, we need to be people that endure temptation, but we also need to view that temptation in a different manner, and we need to view it with joy. Why? Because as the verses said, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, let that patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing or lacking nothing. And God follows up with the next verse, and he says, and if any of you lack wisdom, so, so in the verse before where it says wanting nothing or lacking nothing, God then tells you, okay, if you are lacking something, this is what you're lacking. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. God's liberal, see? They give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not. That this is the biblical definition of the word liberal. Just FYI. Um, so, so the proper perspective requires wisdom for us to live a, a blessed life. Indeed, in in actions, in our, in our works, we need to have a proper perspective of, of um, what wisdom is, and and. Uh, you need to make your mind up about this stuff, Christian. Uh, because as God shows us here in the, in the next few verses, somebody who is, is uh, double-minded is somebody that doesn't get anything done for the Lord. And as we look here in, in, in these verses, verse 6, But let him ask in faith. Talking about asking for wisdom, right? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wa- wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven for, uh, with the wind and tossed. Reminds me of the verse that says, "Blown blown about by every wind uh, of doctrine." Right? You don't have the 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 things you believe are not concrete; they're not firm. Then, then based off of anything that day, your emotions, your whatever it might be, is going to sway you from one perspective to another, and to another after that. You're going to have no no solid foundation to put your feet on. And it's fascinating, though, that that in verse seven. God says, For let not that man think, the one that's getting tossed and in, in, in to and fro, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That seems kind of rough, doesn't it? Think of, think of it this way. If, if you're sitting here agreeing with what I'm saying, and in your heart you're asking for wisdom, you genuinely mean it. You're asking for patience. You're asking God to help you endure temptation. But then tonight, or tomorrow, or Friday, you're living your life in a completely different manner. That that seems to me that you have a double-minded perspective. If you come into look, it's easy to be Christian in here, among other Christians. It's your spirituality, and I don't say this to be rude. Your spirituality does not impress me, because because it's easy for all of us to kind of rise to the same level and, and act the way we're supposed to. And but but how are you acting in in groups of, of friends of yours? How are you acting among your coworkers? How are you acting in front of your children? You know, I, I had gotten into a fight with Leeksy. Not today. We're doing great. Um, but then, you know, little Livni was standing right there. And, and it, it, it kind of snapped us out of it, even though we were still mad at each other. Um, but, but she was starting to cry. And, I, and I, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even stop to consider what my actions were doing, because when you're in an argument, and we're actually going to get into it later more on, on wrath um, and, and choosing your words carefully, um, but it wasn't even something I had considered. And then, you know, the reality is I would never do that with her in here any of you going to argue with your loved ones like you do at home in here? (laughs) That's not going to happen. So your spirituality in church doesn't impress me. What would impress me is to see you act the same tonight and tomorrow night and the night after that when you're not among other Christians. Being a double-minded person is not somebody you can be if you want to be blessed in this life. If you're a double-minded person, then nothing you accomplish in this life is going to outlive that that end date on your tombstone. So, in this passage here in James, God actually equates this double-minded man to a rich man. And well, let, let's just read the verses. Verse, uh, starting in verse ten. But the rich, well, verse nine. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted but the rich in that he is made low, because, at, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. Verse 11, For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. So God likens this this double-minded man that he just talked about to the, the way this, this rich man behaves. And, um, What's funny is, is God tells us that there is a certain grace to the way that the world lives. A, f- a certain grace of fashion to it. Did you notice that in, in verse 11? when he's referencing the flower, but remember, he's comparing that flower that's, that's fading away to that rich man. He says, And the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. And it's true. I mean, the, the rich people in this world, they've got some fashion to them. they got the Gucci and the Prada, and they're, they're driving the Lamborghinis, like I had mentioned. I don't know why Lamborghinis on my mind. But they they've got a certain fashion to them they always dress up super nice they always uh, you know I, I don't think you'll ever find them out of the house without wearing all these wearing all these you know thousand dollar perfumes and you know they they've got they, they've got something that is from this worldly perspective from a fleshly perspective you understand it's nice but god says the the grace of the fashion of it it perishes so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Don't be a double-minded Christian. So, so a few of the things we've looked at already, just to recap, we've, we've looked at how we need to endure temptation if we want to be blessed in this life. We've looked at how the, uh, uh, to, to properly view temptation. We've looked at the, the proper perspective of temptation, how that should be one of joy and not one of Frustration or, or sorrow. Or, and then if we, if we lack the ability to be patient in temptation, as we saw in the first few verses, then we need wisdom. Where he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God. But there's also two more things I just want to touch on real quick uh, before we get out of here um, that I think we need if we want to be blessed in this life. Look at verses uh, 17 through 20 here verse 17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning uh, of his own of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that he should be a kind of that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures wherefore my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I don't think anyone uh, here would repent of the the gift of salvation, right? I mean, that's something I'm not letting go of. I can't even if I wanted to. I've got it. Uh, I'm in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in me. I'm his. I'm sealed to the day of redemption, and there's nothing that's going to change that. And I don't think anybody here would even want to give (laughs) salvation back. Like, you'd be kind of insane, um, but what's interesting is, is I feel as if the, the way we live our lives might indicate otherwise, otherwise. God, God doesn't want to take back the gift and, that he's given us in, in verse 17 there he said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness so he's not going to change on this He's not taking that gift back, what he's put in you. Uh, Pastor Mike preaching on the the gifts that Christians have. There's going to be certain gifts that God puts in you and he's not going to repent of that. He's not taking it back. So no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So no variableness. He's not not going to be okay with you, Christian, if you're, you're living your life in such a way where you're not acting like a first fruit of his creatures. I mean, that, that's the gift he's given you, right? He's given you life. And he's not repentant of it. So the only option there is on us for, either, for us to either serve him the way we're supposed to and, and act as a first fruit of his creatures in, in a, a proper manner or not. If you're not living according to, to verse 19 here, uh, where it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear... So it, it says, wherefore, right there, right? So that is, uh, like, for, for which reason? Okay, so where it says, wherefore, he's, he's referencing the, those few verses just before about giving you a gift, not changing from it, not repenting from it, uh, you've got it, so now, because of this, for which reason, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So if you're not living according to this verse, then your actions or your your variableness indicates that you're not working the righteousness of God and and instead you're producing the wrath of man as verse 20 shows us. What? <laughs> like just simply not being swift to hear, not being slow to speak, not being slow to wrath. And scripture is written in a way that I wouldn't have written it this way. <laughs> but I'm not God, and I, I thank God he wrote it in a way that, that just absolutely blows my mind because some things are so simple. Um, other things are more complicated than you think, but, but some things are just so simple. Um, it's, I, I love this book. So, okay, so, so how, do, how, do we, uh, how do we make sure that we, we're trying to our, be, our best to adhere to this? Um, after all, I want to live a blessed life. Uh, scripture there in verse twelve had said, "Blessed is the man that endureth temptation right I want to be somebody that 's blessed now, if your immediate thought is uh, you know money you 're thinking about the wrong things in terms of blessings, but h- how do we get around this problem of being sw- uh, not being swift to hear and not being slow to speak and not being slow to wrath um, well well in verse twenty there there 's another wherefore okay so god 's adding Onto, on top of that again, right? So you have the first few verses about the gift he gave you. How He's, he's not going to change that, right? And then he said, okay, because of that, there's some things here you've got to do, Christian. If, you, if you're going to act like one of my creations, right? There, there's some things that I need you doing. And then on top of that, in order for, for verse 20 there to hold true, for the wrath of, uh, of man worketh not the righteousness of God, 21 says, Wherefore, so for for this reason, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Uh, Now, It's important to be reading this book, you guys, to be praying, to be coming to church, and you guys know all this stuff, and to soak up the preaching as best you can uh, so that the... uh, the word takes hold in your heart deep inside of you. In verse 21 there where that, that word says engrafted word, do you see that? So, The, the word engrafted means to, to be in, inborn or to be implanted by others' instruction. So, so somebody comes along your way, you're not saved, and somebody gives you the gospel, right? You get, a work gets done inside of you, right? But it was, it was planted there by somebody else. So we need to be a people that, that when we hear truth being preached, we have to be be open and willing to accept it. Now, the frustrating thing is, this is the point, and and I'm going to be done with with this, but this is the point where the rubber really meets the road for us Christians. Most of the stuff is pretty basic up to this point. Um, Endure temptation, you know, Scripture says view it joyfully. Like, All right, I'll try to change my perspective on that, um, even though it's probably going to be difficult. <laughs> um, but, but this next part is kind of where, in my opinion, it gets rough. And Maybe you're more spiritual than, than I am. Um, but this last point I, I, I make really needs to be said, and we need to make sure that we are examining ourselves. The problem, however, is not necessarily the immediate response that you guys are going to give me. You're not going to be like, oh, what? Like, You're not going to be shocked or anything. You're actually going to agree with it. You're going to see that at Scripture. So it's not the immediate response that, that will be a problem to what I'm about to say, but it's rather the lack of action on our part all throughout the rest of the week. What am I getting at? Well, well being someone who is going to be blessed indeed in our actions in this life we, will not happen if you don't take what you've heard and apply it to action all throughout your week now you say well yeah i mean you got to you got to walk the way you talk right i mean kind of even the last world says that kind of you know pithy statement like everybody knows that um yeah but but as we look at these couple verses here verse 21 uh You have 21, 22. Let's just read through a few here. Um, 21. Wherefore, laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. All right, all good so far. Deceiving your own selves. Don't want to do that. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, as in a mirror, right? says, verse 24, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So, even if you genuinely receive the engrafted word, with meekness, as the passage says, that does not mean that Thursday is going to go well for you spiritually. Even if it's inside of you, you receive it with joy, with gladness. Think of it this way. So when you're looking in this book, as Scripture there said, It's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. You see the real you. Scripture shows you what you're really like, what your nature is like, how wicked you are, how sinful you are. And you hear what's being preached by Pastor Mike in the pulpit and you're agreeing with it and you're like, yeah, that's true. Not very pretty. I don't like what I'm looking at, but I see it. I agree with it. Everything he's saying is right on point. The problem is not that you are not agreeing with that or trying to apply that to your heart. The problem is, is, as Scripture said in verse 24, For he beholdeth himself, right, as we all do, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now, I don't think anybody's going to be walking out of this church building like this as he goes to his car and then tries to drive home and continue to to read scripture, I mean, the reality is, you got to put the book down. You have to go about your life. But scripture tells tells you that the pro- the problem is, that is the problem is that you got to put the book down. you have to leave here to go home, and, and when you do that, you take your face away from that mirror that is shining the light of the Word of God into you. You you cease to see things the, the way they really are. You cease to, to see them from a realistic perspective because you're no longer staring at the book. And that, that's, that's rough. Because, because the, problem isn't like, the problem isn't that I don't know what, what my nature looks like. It's not that I, I no longer think I'm wicked when I walk out these doors. The, pro- the problem is, is not that right here, right now, standing in front of this mirror, you, you don't see the reality of who you are. The problem is that as soon as you leave, you are no longer looking into this mirror, and you straightway forgetteth what manner of man you were. And that's probably the toughest part with this whole chapter as a Christian. And then you come in on Sunday, and, and you think, oh my word, like, man, I really needed that. Why? Why, why, did, why did next Sunday service pick you up so much? Probably because you weren't in the book throughout the rest of the week. So, in order to be blessed in, in this life, let's just one last verse and I'll close it out. In order to be uh, blessed in this life, there's a few things we, we need to acknowledge, and that's that we need to endure temptation. We need to have the proper perspective of what temptation is. We need to make sure as much as humanly possible we are in this book. As verse 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Does anybody here remember what? I'll give you five seconds to answer. Does anybody here remember what Pastor Mike talked about last Wednesday? It was a song. We were a song. Specifics? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? Pastor Pastor asked uh, when we were doing insta to one time here, he had asked all of us, you know, preacher guys, that question, and you know, what did I, I don't even think he went back a week, I think he went back like the previous service. He's like, what did I preach on Sunday? And we all just sat there like, uh, (laughs) that's exactly what that verse is talking about. As soon as you walk away from that mirror, you forget what manner of man you are. So let's do our best, you guys, to try to live a blessed life and, and keep things in perspective. And uh, have a proper perspective of uh, temptation and endure it the best you can and, and stay in this book as much as humanly possible. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for. Uh,